Welcome to Epiphany Brooklyn's podcast. I am Brandon Watts, lead pastor here at Epiph. Thanks so much for tuning in. Our desire is to join Jesus in his mission to redeem our city. May God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can tune in each week. Grace and peace. Grab your Bibles, devices, laptops, whatever you got. Go to the Old Testament. Once you get there, go to the book of Psalm. Psalms will we'll be in the first chapter first chapter of Psalms. Hey, so listen, just really quickly, we, um, we, we have been, I've been laying before you that we've been running out of space, um, particularly in this service. The first service has a little bit more room, uh, and I've, I've been trying to challenge and encourage. Some of y'all are so disobedient. I've been trying to challenge and encourage y'all to come to the 930 service. The social media team put up last week, what service you coming to, and uh, they shared the results with me. I was like, they so disobedient. But if you could wake up a little bit early and get to the first service. There's a little bit of room. Uh, we're trying to make room, um, not just for those who are here, but those who the Lord is continuing to send. And God has always, um, it's, it's been like a, a real testimony. And this is, man, praise to God on this, man. Every time we've opened up seats, no matter what building we were in, God has always filled them. And God, is, God has been just really gracious at how he draws people to build his church. Um, but we, re- we recognize that the, the space is just getting a little bit tighter. And, you know, I, I personally want us to be safe. I want us to have worship safe. I, do, I don't want to crowd exits and do things that we're not supposed to do. And so what we've done is uh, we have a bit of a solution. I don't know how long this will, will, um, will help us, but um, what we've done is starting the 19th. So two Sundays from now, the space that is to my left next door to us, there's an event space here. We have acquired the space on Sundays. And so what we're going to do is... We're going to create in what we're calling an interactive overflow space. It's kind of like a glorified overflow uh, space um, that is um, uh, going to we're going to try to make the room feel like you're actually in this room. And so the audio will be legit. We actually got speakers in the walls. We got um, a, a great projection. And so you'll, you'll be able to see service stream there. But we want to take a step further so that it feels live. So we'll have live pieces over there as well. There'll be live instruments that are playing along with what's happening here. It's not a different service. It's the same service. So we'll have live instruments over there. We'll have some live singers over there. Um, I'm trying, we're trying to create a vibe even over there because there's just the, the reason, you know, there's a difference between, you know, there's some people that will pay $20 to go to the movies and then you'll pay $200 to go see a, a theater show because we like, we like live. And so next door, we're trying to create that live. Fortunately and unfortunately, I grew up in a time where, you know, in our old Baptist church, they put us in the multi-purpose room and they wheeled out that TV and they had to strap on a TV so the TV would fall. And they just plug it in and turn it on. The sound was horrible. The visuals was horrible. But what they were trying to do was create a space for us to feel like we were in service, although it never felt like we were actually in service we're hoping that next door does feel like that. And so be gracious and give us some time to figure it out. Um, but we're just trying to do the best we can to make room for whatever it is the Lord is doing. Amen. All right, y'all there. If y'all let someone just say, we, I'm there, B. If you're not there, just be like, I'm trifling. I'm still looking. Pick me up in verse one. Verse one says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer, but his delight, somebody say his delight, is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates 
day and night. He is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. This is so important. In all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. I want to preach today really from a question. And the question is this, which path are you on? Which path are you on? I I pray that this sermon today would just be a little bit more contemplative and you would pop the hood and do some inventory of your spiritual life today. Let's look to the Lord before before we get into the passage. Father, yeah, we slow down. We thank you for the energy. Thank you for the ability to dance and praise you and give you glory. No one else is worthy of it. But Lord, we slow down because we're privileged today to be able to engage your word. We submit ourselves today under the authority of your scriptures. And so, Lord, may we marvel at the finished work of Christ as we consider this passage before us. Show us Christ. Show us Jesus. Use me, an undone, broken vessel, unworthy to be used. Yet you're gracious, so you use people like me that really shouldn't be preaching. But yet I get to be your mouthpiece today. And so I pray, John's spirit on me now, decrease me so that you can increase yourself. It's in Christ's name we give glory. Somebody say amen. Which path are you on? Hey, listen, it's it's no secret. I was born in in 1980. It's no secret that um, I'm a product of being raised in, I would say, two of the greatest uh, decades. Definitely the 90s was the greatest decade. And I don't care what you feel about that or not, but it's just... It was something about the 80s and the 90s. And the crazy part is it's, it's, it's everything. It's not one thing I can point to. 90s fashion was just different. Who knows about FUBU? Y'all know that? Who knows about cross colors? Most people had a call Kanai belt. You had one, Mixie? You look like you had a call Kanai belt. Tommy Hilfiger, for some reason, became streetwear. And I don't, I don't know how it happened. You know, y'all, you know, nowadays we buy, we buy our size, but our size, they create the clothes to be baggy. Right? We got these baggy clothes, big, you know, big sweaters and big, you know, we, and we like, because it's a, it's a fashion, it's a style. It was a fashion and style back then, but we didn't buy our size. We always bought four times bigger T-shirts all the way down to the floor. It was just something about the 90s. Do-rags. We just, it was a part of the style of how we, of how we rock. So I, I, I love the 90s, 90s fashion, 90s hip-hop, especially here in New York. Brooklyn, shame on you. Wait, y'all don't know that? Okay. Getting the word past the B. 90s shows. I love 90s shows. 90s cartoons. Yo, listen, I don't care what y'all say. I know we about this anime life now. It ain't nothing like Chippendale Rescue Rangers. I'm just saying, Tailspin, Darkwing Duck, Looney Tunes. Then I finish it off. Da, 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 da. That's it. Cart. 
tunes in the 90s was just different. I would make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and sit in front of the TV and watch it all afternoon, especially Saturday mornings. I've always told you guys, and I've said this before, you know, one of the things that I love about the 90s cartoons is, is the, the writers would often want to depict an inner conflict that a character, one of, one of, the, one of the Looney Tunes, you know, a, a roadrunner, somebody has it. So what they would do is, I've shared this before, what they would do is to depict the inner wrestle, they would place on one shoulder a what? A devil. And on the other shoulder, they would place an angel. And both sides... It would be the same character, but both sides would, would argue their point. This is why you should go this way, and this is why you should do this way. And in a deeper and a higher and a holy way, the scriptures is showing us today that oftentimes as we go through life, even if you're a Christian, you got two different uh, um, um, voices in your ear. And one is pulling you toward one path, and the other one is pulling you toward another path. In the psalm today, what we get it's two paths. But I think it's important for us to note that the two paths are here to show us that everybody in the room is either on one of these paths. Nobody in the room is on a third. There's no third path in the passage. Nobody here is on the fourth, but everybody in this room is either walking one or two ways. You are either walking in a way, in a manner that is godly and God-honoring, or you are walking in a way that is wicked and dishonoring of the Lord. That's your choice. That's the path we are on. Now, I love this passage because it reads with force, but even though it reads with force, nothing in the passage actually gives me a command. There's not one command. There's not one imperative. It's not telling you to do anything. It's all inventory. It is all asking you to, to pay attention to your spiritual rhythms because there's two paths we, were, we are on. It's either good or it's evil. In fact, look at the inscription above the text. I won't even get in the text yet to see that there's two paths. The inscription says the way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. That's it. Righteous and wicked. And you need to, you need to wrestle today and try to figure out which path you're on. Do me a favor and just, just ask that to somebody. Say, which path are you on? Come on, look at somebody else and just ask them, which path are you on? Well, my prayer is that as we work through all six verses, and by the way, I feel a deep conviction. Sometimes I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to pull out, you know, three points. I feel a deep conviction to actually to talk about every single verse. Verses one, verse two, verse three, verse four, verse five, and verse six, because there's so much in this passage. Why don't you pick me up in verse one, and let's, let's try to figure out which path we're on in this room. Verse one says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of the sinner, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer. I don't know if you're picking this up, but the, the psalmist begins here by describing the downward spiral uh, of being influenced by the ungodly. He, he wants you to know if you're trying to figure out what path you're on, one of, the, one of the, the clearest points to know which path we're on is to try to figure out where do we run to for counsel? Who's in our ear? Who's talking to us? Because here's what I know about the people that are closest to us. Friends influence. And so the text says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Now, it's important for, for us to, 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 to first understand uh, that we have a dilemma in the passage. Because if you're not careful, you'll see a, tr a contradiction. 
Because verse 1 says, man, don't walk with people that give you bad counsel. But if I read Proverbs, there's Proverbs that tell me and talk to me about receiving counsel. Proverbs 15, verse 22, without counsel, plans fail. But with many advisors, plans succeed. So here's what the text is not saying. It's not saying cut off all counsel. Listen to me and hear me clearly. You need people that speak into your life. You you need people that help you to pick you up when you are wrong. You need people to talk reckless to you sometimes. You need people that are short of cussing you out to pull you back on track with the Lord. All of us need somebody in our life that speaks godliness to us in seasons we're ready to quit. We, we all need that. And so what the passage is not telling me is to denounce all counsel, but it specifies who not to get counsel from. It says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. So it, it, is, it is the wicked counsel, the people that don't follow the Lord. How in the world are you going to stay on the right path by listening to the person that's on the wrong path? But it, it progresses. What progresses? Well, the type of person that's around you in the text actually gets more ungodly. Let me show you it. In verse one, it says, don't walk with in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of the sinners. Now, standing here, this, this word stand means to stop or to be firm. When you consistently pattern your life after walking in the counsel of the wicked, after a while, you will become more influenced by them to be firm in a position that is against the things of God. In other words, walking uh, denotes the conduct, but, 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 but standing denotes your character that is being formed. In other words, walking could just be conduct, but when you stand and have a firm fix in a position, that is where bad habits start to form. That is where character issues start to form. And many of us, you've walked in this room and, and, and you might be at the top part of that where you're, you're just walking with the wicked, but at some point it progresses to standing with the sinners. But guess what? The text moves on and it gives me more of a progression. Now, I, I need you to pay attention to how the people around us get more ungodly as we read through the text. It says in verse one, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. Scoffers. Now, in the beginning, this is the wicked and the sinners are synonymous. Scoffers project something much worse because a scoffer is not just a person that doesn't believe in the things of God. A scoffer is someone who mocks and jeers at the things of God. This is somebody who is not just saying, I don't, I don't, I don't trust in the Lord. This is somebody that is saying, I don't trust in the Lord and you shouldn't too. Because his ways are unworthy of your consideration. His ways are unworthy of your submission. And so therefore, I need you to be out in the world like me and just do whatever you want. And so the text says the people that are around us seem to get more ungodly when we aren't disconnecting ourselves. What does the Bible says? Come out from among them and be ye separated. And I'm not telling you to be a hermit. Because I do believe in being around people that, that don't share the faith with you for missional purposes. This is why Jesus was called friend of sinner, because he hung with people that didn't believe in him. And Jesus did so for missional purposes. But I need you to know the progression of the text isn't just that the people around you get ungodly, but it also is that your posture begins to change. Did y'all read this text with me? I just need you to see this. I don't know if you picked it up when you were reading it, but it says here. It says, blessed is the man that starts out walking in the counsel of the wicked. Then your posture changes to 
standing in the way of the sinners. Then you get so comfortable in that thing that is against the things of God, and you go ahead and take a seat, showing us your comfort level in sin. I don't know why y'all are quiet, and I wonder if there are people in this room that you started at the beginning of this year walking with people that you weren't supposed to, and then somewhere along the lines in the summertime, you begin to stand with them, and then somewhere along the lines, if you ain't there, you will begin to sit with them. Sit with who? With the scoffers. Now, I know you're like, well, that ain't that bad. Proverbs 21 verse 24 says, scoffers is the name of the arrogant and the haughty man who, who acts in arrogant pride. Don't, don't miss the progression of how sin overtakes us. And some of y'all started out, right? You, you started out and it wasn't that bad. Hey, I, I, you know, I didn't harm nobody. It wasn't that big of a deal. But sin never stays in the same place. Never. It always progresses. And you start out very simple with a text and then a flirt. And then the next thing you, you, you know, you're, you're all out in sin. Why? It's because you went from walking to standing to sitting. It is your posture. Look at your neighbor and say, what is your posture like? Your spiritual posture, walking in the counsel of the ungodly, standing in the way of the sinners, sitting in the seat of the scoffers. And that is my fear that, that somebody in this room is progressing and you're progressing the wrong way. And at the end of the day, verse one shows us the wrong path, but it counters. Verse two counters Daniel in verse two. It counters verse one. But what I was so baffled at is how it countered verse one. I'm type A. I was looking for a list. Look at what it says here. Verse one says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the, the, of the sinners, nor, nor um, stands in the seat of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. Three things, right? There's a list of the ungodly. So I'm like, oh, good. I'm going to get a list in verse two. He doesn't give me a list in verse two. In verse two, he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. I'm so messed up when I read verse two, because I'm like, why didn't the scripture give me a list? Blessed is the man who does walk with the righteous. Blessed is the man who does stand with the godly. Blessed is the man who does sit in the, with the seat of the reverend. That's what I would have wrote if I was writing Psalm 1, but God is so much wiser than me. He's like, I counter the ungodly by your proximity to the word. Watch what it says. His delight is in the law. His meditation is in the law. And so in other words, if you want to find out which path you're on, you need to find out where your affections are for the word of God. You're looking, I'm looking for a list. God is like, you don't need a list. My word is sufficient to sanctify you. Okay, that's a deep word. My word is sufficient to help you to spiritually grow up. Look at somebody just say, spiritually grow up. And we spiritually grow up by connecting ourselves to the word of God. The word of God helps you in so many ways. It helps you to grow up spiritually. It, it helps you to fight sin. Uh-oh. Some of us need to fight sin. And how do you fight sin? How do you go into battle without a sword? You fight sin with the very word of God. And how did, that, that doesn't mean, I'm not saying, although I do want your devotional life to grow, I'm not sitting here saying that tomorrow morning, you got to spend an hour in the word of God. What I'm saying is as you go through life, do you live life and think word? As you, as you, as you work through relationships, do you work through your relationship and think word? As you fight that sin, do you fight sin and do you think word? There, there got to be moments, moments brothers, there got to be moments where you go, yo, she looked real sexy today. 
And then you stop and go, oh, oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Job chapter 31, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a woman. You pulled out the word of God and it helped you to fight sin. Oh, ladies, you ain't off the hook. Look at him with them sweatpants on, girl. You better pull out Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. But I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We play games with the word of God as, as if it's just a thing we do on Sunday. But if I understand the word of God right, it helps me to fight sin. It, it sanctifies me. It, it purifies me. It makes me holy. Oh, it makes me look like his son, Jesus Christ. It's, it's not hyperbole. I really want you to love the word. Oh, you know what I love about this? This text in verse two doesn't just speak to reading the word. It don't even tell you to quote it. It says his delight. Delight is appetite. Oh, delight is. That's the problem with many of us. It's hard for us to, 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 to develop an appetite for the word of God because we're already full of, 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 of a spiritual stuff that is not godly. And we are filling ourselves and we are filling ourselves. And God is like, you got no more room in your spiritual stomach for my word. It's appetite. This word delight speaks to a deep level of loving the word, of desiring the word, and having an appetite for the word. Years ago, I was, I was in Philly, and, and um, I was at my pastor's house, and we was in the backyard, beautiful night, and we was out back there for so long. We was just talking and catching up and talking and catching up. And next thing we know, we looked at our, uh, at our watch, and, and I looked at our phones, and it was 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm sitting there going, well, where did the time go? But out of nowhere, both of us got hungry. We don't smoke weed, so it wasn't munchies. And I'm sitting there like, well, you hungry too? I'm hungry. Well, let's go find something to eat. So we jumped in his car. We rode around all of Philly trying to find some, some place that was open. But it's Philly, so everything was shut down. Oh, but there was a Wendy's on Broad Street. Now, let me tell y'all something. I don't eat fast food. Like, I, I just, I don't, I feel like, you know, my digestive system now at 43 is different than it was at 23. I sat with our, with our leaders yesterday, and part of my spiritual investment in, in them was to tell them, y'all need to eat better. I'm serious. I'm not joking around because, like, like I, I want my body to be available for the Lord and to be used in any way. So I need to be healthy. At least that's what I'm thinking in my mind. And, and so back at this time, I was, we was riding around. We didn't find anything but a Wendy's that was open. And, my, my, you know, the, the spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. And it was so weak, I didn't just go in there and get something to eat. I went in there, got a triple stack burger, large fries. I said, put me a little side of nuggets on the side. And we, I didn't even wait, right? I ate it in the car. And he pulled up to the house and... You know, I got out and when I finally went to bed that night, that was about two o'clock, about four o'clock. Oh, something was B-U-B-B-L-I-N-G bubbling in my soul. There's some bubbling in my spirit and it felt like I ate a knife. Why? Because I tried. Don't miss this. I know it's funny, but I was trying to fill my appetite with something that was never designed to satisfy me. It was never designed to satisfy me. It was never designed to nourish me. It was never designed for me to build a, a diet off of it. But so many of us purpose, we build our spiritual lives off of spiritual fast food. And you're trying to wonder why you ain't growing. You are spiritually malnourished because you haven't spent time in the word. His delight is in the law of the Lord. Oh, but it's not just delight that's in the text. It also goes from delight to meditation. It says in verse number two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. 
And on his law, he meditates. Meditation on the word of God means I just think about it all day. Some of y'all are deep. Y'all go through chapters in the morning. You ever get stuck on a verse all week? I can't move past this. This verse is just getting at me. I got I to gotta memorize it. I got I to gotta get it in my spirit. And when you meditate on the word of God, it's really a cow chewing on the cud. I don't know if you, you know this, but I'm going to teach you all some biology here. A cow has several stomachs. And what it does is it chews on its food and then it, it, it doesn't fully digest it. It puts it in one stomach, the first stomach. And then after a while, when it gets hungry again, it regurgitates it. And it chews on it a little bit more. And then it died. That's what we got to do with the word of God. You got to read it in the morning and in the afternoon. You got to say, oh, I got to remember that word. Let me pull that back up and regurgitate it and eat on a little bit more. I know it's disgusting, but it's theologically rich and it's spiritually good for you. Cow chewing on the cud. That's, that's, if you don't remember, remember anything else, remember that. A cow chewing on the, That is what we do when it comes to meditation. So the text says, look, there's two things I need you to do. I'm not asking you to quote it. Praise God for those that you, of you that can quote scripture. I'm not asking you to read it. Praise God for, those, that you, for so, those of you that read it. But the text speaks to something deeper. It, do you have delight in the word of God? It's Psalm 197. Uh, Psalm uh, uh, 90, uh, one, uh, Psalm 119, verse 97, that says, Oh, how I love your law, for it is my meditation all the day. That's the question I have. Do you love the word of God? Do you delight in the word of God? Can it be part of your spiritual rhythms? Can it be, where does it have room to be in, in your appetite? When you look at your spiritual appetite, does it actually have room? And some of y'all are so good at only putting good things in your body. You're good at it. Non-GMO, no high fructose corn syrup, no, no MSG. You know, y'all are really good at it. No saturated fats. But your spiritual life, you let any and everything in your spirit. And God is like, I need you to rearrange that appetite. Because his delight is in the law of the Lord. I'm spending too much time on this verse because I got other verses I want to get through. And I told you I want to get through all of them. Verse three. Here's what happens when you have delight and meditation in God's word. He is like a tree. Ooh. Planted by the streams of water that yields fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. And all he does, he prospers. I love this text because the text says there's a wrong path in verse one. Verse two is a right path. But verse three gives me the result of that right path. What is the result of it? That I'm like a tree that is planted by the rivers, by the stream. And you, you know what that suggests to me? That there's consistent nourishing that happens to the tree. See, this tree ain't in the desert. Verse three, the tree is next to the stream and the stream supplies all that the tree needs. This is what the word of God gives us. It's you being planted. And this is what I know when, when, when a tree is by a stream, its roots go deep. And because the roots go deep, when a hurricane come or strong winds come, it might bend, but it don't break because it's right next to the stream. How many of y'all want to be trees that are planted by the stream of water? Because the text tells me, that that's what you were like. This, this shows me security. It shows me stability. The Christian person, the Christian man, the Christian woman is the most stable person on your job. Why? Because we're like trees. Planted by the streams of water. Can I give you the contrast? Because it's in the next verse. The contrast to the tree being on the stream 
is verse 4, but the wicked are not so. They are like chaffed in the wind that drives away. I don't think we know what, what chaff is because, you know, we're from New York. You know, I, I, don't, you know, you know, I, don't, I don't think we understand what chaff is. You know, back in the day, um, you, the, 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 the farmer would go in and he would sift wheat. And then, you know, have you ever seen those pans and they're shaking it? And in the air would be the, the kernels. And the kernels that were good and heavy, they would fall back into the pan. But as he's doing that, the chaff is what he wanted to get off of the kernel. And so the chaff would be taken away. Don't miss this. By the slightest wind. Now, remember, I said the tree can withstand the hurricane because its roots are deep. But the chaff gets blown away by the slightest wind. I got to make this make this plain. You know, in the first service, they was looking at me because, you know, this y'all just ain't farmers. So we just don't know how chaff works. And so I said, Tosh, I need somebody to go get me some, you know, some peanuts. And we cracked the peanuts. And you know that little shell that's on the outside of the peanuts? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Gabe's going to kill me because somebody got to clean this up. This is chaff, right? Consider this to be chaff. This is is the little, the brittle stuff that's on the outside of the peanut. And most of us aren't, aren't thinking this is what our lives look like. But you ain't got to blow hard. All I got to do is just a little, and then that's you. That's your spiritual life. And, and, it, and it frustrates me because we're okay with being blown away by every wind and doctrine, but we don't have to because verse 3 said, I'm a tree that's planted by the streams of water. I refuse to come to church week in and week out and be blown away like that. I want to be stable. I, I want to I be secure. I, I, I'm, and, and, and here's the thing about the chaff. If you keep reading, it don't end well for the chaff. It, 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 don't, it don't end well. It don't end well because holiness really is right. When we talk two paths, that other path is a dangerous path because it's not only an ungodly path, but the end of that path is nothing but destruction. And that's the crazy part about that path. You on it and field on the path that's the wrong path is fun stuff. It's glitz and it's glam and it's fun and it's great. And you feel like it's all good until you get to the end of it. And the end of it, we start to see in the next few verses. Y'all good if I'm just kind of walking through this text. The end of it shows me something so drastic for the person that is chaff. It says in verse number five, therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment. Stop there for a second, because this text just told me that the wicked won't stand on judgment. But here's the reality. Every single person in this room will stand before the Lord one day. We call it in the text judgment day. And I'm, I'm, I'm afraid because, Gary, you know what we do? We live life as though we'll never stand before the Lord. I know we do. We live life and we do, I think, because, you know, you know we, we think of it as this far off thing and we think we got time. I got time. But Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. And if Jesus said the kingdom of God was at hand 2,000 years ago, can we agree it's nearer than it was when he first said it? I don't know when he's coming back, but if I understand the text and understand eschatology, the sky could crack right now, the trumpet could sound right now, and the question I have for you is which path are you on? Because it does not end well for the chaff. But you know what? It ends real good. For the tree that's planted by water. Oh, I forgot something in verse three. Not only is the tree secure, oh God, thank you. The tree is prosperous. Oh, did you read that in verse three? The end of it says, in all that he does, he prospers. 
This ain't no prosperity theology that's going to tell you you're going to get health and wealth if you trust in, in Jesus, that that ain't always the case. But the promises of God are true. And if God said that if you are a tree that is planted by the rivers of water, there's a level of prosperity that comes in your life. You're trying to wonder why you're so frustrated and why you're aggravated and why nothing seems to be working and why nothing seems to be prospering. I wonder if it's because we are on the wrong path. Everything he does, everything he does prospers. And here's the thing about prosperity in the Lord. Sometimes it's counter of what we think is prosperous. Sometimes it is. See, prosperity in the Lord sometimes is actually you getting laid off. And you don't, you don't understand it in this season. You don't get it in this season. And you, you frustrated that God closed that door. But you don't know what he was keeping you from. You don't know what was on the other side of that door. Sometimes prosperity is God saying, I know you really love her. I know you really love him, but that relationship ain't going to help you. That's the wrong one. And so therefore, I'm going to shut the door. And that's prosperous. Everything he does, the scripture says he prospers. And, and so the text says, look, there's a day of judgment. Nobody can escape it. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due, what he has done with the body, whether good or evil. There's those paths. Paul says it in a different place. What the psalmist says, whether good or evil, every single one of us will stand before the Lord. And this is not an arrogant statement. I do not stand before the Lord shaken in any way. Oh, no, I really have confidence that the gospel is true. And because I got confidence that the gospel is true, I can stand before the Lord. I ain't chilling. I know this is just God. So I ain't chilling, but I am standing there with a high level of confidence knowing that what has secured my right to be in is not behavior. Well, at least not my, my behavior. It's the behavior of the son, Jesus Christ, because he, I have inherited righteousness. So I get, to, I get to hear words like, well done, bro, you ain't do a good job. You heard well done and you ain't do good. You only hear well done when you trusted in the one that did do good. And so I'm not trying to be arrogant. There's confidence that I have that there's confidence that I have to get into heaven has nothing to do with behavior. But don't think that your behavior isn't important because it is. And here's what the old saints would say. Holiness is right. I will go further and say holiness is not just right, but holiness is what God expects. You think that he saved you for you to live any old way. And some of us are. I, I feel it in the room. Some of us are so comfortable in sin and we've got everybody fooled as long as we come to church and do our church thing. God is like, but I see everything and holiness is right. God says, not only am I holy, but he says, you should be holy as I am holy. There, there, there's a growth that should happen with you. There's, there's some sanctification that should happen with you. There's growing up that should happen with you. None of us should be stagnant and comfortable in sin. All of us should be, tra our trajectory should be to look more like Jesus Christ. But some of us, I'm telling you, I felt it in the first service too. Some of us are so comfortable with hidden sins. We were comfortable with it. And we ain't telling nobody because, you know, I don't want them to look at me like I'm crazy. 
And some of the sin in your life isn't necessarily action. Oh, thank you, God. Some of it is in your mind. Some of it is in your emotions. Some of it is private. Some of it is locked up in that text message. Some of it is locked up in that DM. And we plan with God. But how many know that you can be set free today? He who the Son set free is free indeed. There's liberty in Jesus. You're in bondage. And your boy loves you enough. To tell you that God wants you to come out from that sin. And so why why does he want you to do that? I want to show you how this thing ends. For the Lord knows the way, verse 6, of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. Now there's two bookend statements to this this chapter. It started, I hope y'all are looking at your Bibles. It started in verse 1 with the word blessed. It ends in verse 6 with the word perish. Two paths. Blessed, perish. Those are the book in statements. Chapter, cha- chapter one honestly serves as a warning. It's a warning for those of us who are comfortable in sin. It's a warning for those of us who are playing with sin, no matter what the sin is. It's a warning to us. And here's how I know, because several verses, at least four verses, have the same phrase, the wicked. And whenever you see a phrase repeated multiple times, we call it a melodical line. That just means God is trying to get you to pay attention to that. So he says in verse one, the wicked. He says in verse four, the wicked. He says in verse five, the wicked. He says in verse six, the wicked. Why does he keep repeating this phrase? Because the whole chapter is a warning for those of you in this room who are chaff. Who are, who are playing with God. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to beat you up this morning. Because all of us in this room have been on the wrong path. And I I usually know when I'm drifting toward the wrong path, but when I lack devotion to this and lack love for this, I don't know how God do you, but I know when I'm walking away from the Lord, I know it's usually because I haven't been sanctified myself enough in the very word of God. And you might be asking today, well, Pastor B, I hear you. So in in order to get on the right path, what do I have to do? Do I have to just read my word? No, not just read your word. Yes, read your word, but no, don't just read it. You know what else you got to do? You got to submit to the one who you're reading about. Yeah, the word is about Jesus Christ. And you're trying to figure out, how do I switch from being on the wrong path to the right one? Simple. Jesus is how. Because Jesus gives you an external righteousness that you need to be acceptable. How many know the standard for a holy God, a standard for holiness is perfection. And you get that in Jesus. And I know you're sitting here going, but I can get that somewhere else. Do me a favor. This week, just kind of go through your phone and scroll through your phone and find somebody perfect. And if you do find that person perfect, call them up and ask them, hey, can you give me your perfection and take on my sin? You won't find nobody to do that. But old Jesus steps off of his throne so that he can come dwell amongst us because he wants to give you a trade. He wants to take your sin and he wants to give you his righteousness. Isaiah 55, upon him was the chastisement that brought me peace. I got peace. This is why I stand at the, at the throne so confident because I got peace. And if it's one thing I know everybody in this room want. Is peace. You want peace in your home. You want peace in your marriage. You want peace in your relationships. You want peace on that job. And peace is found in Jesus, which is why he called himself the prince of. Y'all know y'all words. Verse six says, look, it don't end well. It says the wicked will perish. And I'm fearful in this room. Worship team, if y'all can come on up. 
I'm fearful in this room. I'm fearful because I think you guys have heard me enough to where the tone of our Sundays, you become numb to it. The tone of me, you're like, oh, you know, that's what he's supposed to do. But what if today God is serving you a warning? What if today God is like, I'm tired of playing the games. I'm, I'm tired of watching you do whatever you want. Today is the day. The day you hear my voice, harden not your heart. And God, I believe today, wants to do something in your life. He wants to take you off the wrong path. He wants to put you onto the right path. If y'all do me a favor, let's go into the song. I want to sing a little bit of the song. And I just want us to do, do me a favor. As we sing a little bit of the song, I just want you to contemplate. Again, there's no commands in this passage. There's no imperatives. This isn't a passage where it's like, do this, do this, do this, and you're good. No, this, this is a passage that's all about inventory. And as I just want you to sit for a second. Come on up, Jeremiah. I want you to sit for a second. And I just want you to listen to the words. Yesterday, as our leadership got together, we sat upstairs and we had no worship leader. We had spontaneous worship. We all sat, some kneeled, some laid on the floor. And we just listened to the words of whatever anybody was singing. Listen to me. Even Gabe sang yesterday. Gabe sang. He sang, great is thy faithfulness. I opened my eyes like, where Gabe get that from? It's something about the inventory moment connected to worship. So if you do me a favor, Jeremiah, let's, let's just go into this song. And then after we go into this song and you've contemplated for a second, I want to give you a chance to respond. No, bump that. I want to give you a chance to switch paths. And the path that you're on doesn't mean that you don't know the Lord. The path that you're on just means you're not living life in the way that the Lordship of God requires, which is holiness. Please don't forget there's not another path. It's only two. Which path are you on today? Let's sing a little bit of this song.